12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham. Time for our Australia update where we get all the latest headlines from down under. And joining us on the line is Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, all the way from Brisbane. Jason, welcome back to the show. How are you? Really good to speak to you again, Adrian. And hello to all the Money FM listeners across Singapore. I feel that every time we speak, Jason, something else is changing in Australia, whether it's the vaccination rate, border measures. And today we're going to be talking about the international borders and how there may be a possibility of, you know, people coming back in if they're fully vaccinated. This not only applies to citizens and permanent residents, but although a little bit great, there are signs of optimism, aren't there? Definitely signs of optimism, Adrian, and we've been speaking about this uh, for quite a few weeks now, but uh, Dominic Perrottet, who's the new Premier of New South Wales, where Sydney is, made an announcement a few days ago that uh, the abolition of quarantine for international travellers would begin from November the 1st, and that means that New South Wales will open its borders to fully vaccinated people in a bid to expedite the return of Australians stranded overseas and also to give a boost to the tourism industry and at the moment only Australian citizens residents and their families will be eligible for quarantine free travel through Sydney but that's going to change next month however the Prime Minister Scott Morrison isn't as uh, excitable as Dominic Perrottet when it comes to pulling the trigger so it may mean that uh, you know the the Premier will have to sort of wait a little, little bit longer. But I think the overall picture is very positive for Australia and for people outside Australia. Definitely by the new year, you will be able to travel if you've got two shots of a COVID-19 vaccine to Australia. I think that would be the safe bet to say in the new year, the beginning of the new year, you'll be able to travel here without having to go through hotel quarantine. And that's because we are seeing vaccination rates a lot better than they were a couple of months ago. It's really become, you know, the obsession of every Australian in in Victoria and New South Wales to get vaccinated. And New South Wales have now passed 80% double vaccination. And Sydney has been reopening over the last few days, including school kids, some of the school kids going back to school this week. And Melbourne will reopen, end its lockdown finally on Thursday night at 11.59 p.m. And that is the big step for them as they reach 70% double vaccination. So for the people of the two biggest cities in Australia, life is improving dramatically both last week with uh, New South Wales and this week with Victoria. Yeah, Jason, just before we talk about the vaccination rates in the different states, let's just touch on the on the response of um, Australians. What have they been saying about this news, about the borders being opened? Of course, they're excited to travel, but I'm sure they're also a bit coy about if something could go terribly wrong as well. Yeah, I mean, it's really divided families, as we've spoken about before, because mm. uh, a lot of people live um, maybe on one side of the border and they can't travel to the other side to see their friends and relatives. In Queensland, where I am, I think people are a bit worried about what will happen when the borders reopen. And um, we've heard from Anastasia Palaszczuk, she's the Premier of Queensland, and she says that from December the 17th, the borders will open no matter what. By that point, I think uh, Queenslanders should be up at 70% double vaccination. And that means that, uh, you know, for example, my brother Matthew and his wife Lara and their two dogs, they're coming up from New South Wales to have Christmas with us here in Queensland. So I 
I've been able to say to them, you'll be able to come and, and drive your car and come up here. But not everyone is uh, is happy that the borders will completely reopen within the states of Australia because it means that states like Western Australia, Tasmania and Queensland, who have had relatively little uh, COVID-19, that's going to definitely change when the borders reopen. And uh, we're going to have to ask again, I've, we've spoken about this in previous weeks, how will the hospital systems of these states cope with the many numbers of cases? And we've seen that in Singapore. I've written about it for the ABC website. 80% vaccination above 80% in Singapore for all eligible people. It hasn't meant necessarily that infections will, you know, get lower. In fact, they've got a lot higher. And that's going to happen definitely here in Queensland and in Tasmania. We did have a bit of a, a lockdown for three days in the Hobart area just uh, early this week. But Western Australia, you know, they're very resistant to opening the borders. So it's a bit much, uh, a bit of wait and see what will happen when it uh, does reopen. Yeah, it's always really interesting to uh, see the news of how people react, whether it's borders reopening or even something like pubs reopening. We saw last week in Sydney, just after midnight, where people were queuing up to have a pint with their friends and their families. What's been the reaction like in Sydney? Well, look, Sydney's my hometown and, you know, my brothers are down in that area. My mum's there. Uh, they've had a pretty rough time. Not as bad as Melbourne, which is mm. the most locked down city in the world, as we spoke about in our previous uh, chat a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, for example, my brother Daniel, you know, he lives uh, with two small kids uh, and his wife and she's actually from Sweden. They live on the northern beaches of Sydney. It's been very challenging for them to do homeschooling, but suddenly things got a lot better, you know, for their young family. So uh, for Australia's biggest city, Sydney, it's a kind of a big sigh of relief. Uh, Melbourne, you know, kind of a, a couple of weeks behind Sydney. And, you know, for example, you can't get a haircut uh, still in Melbourne. You know, even from Thursday onwards, you still can't get a haircut. They've been saying, can you go outside and get a haircut? You know, and the government's trying to encourage people, those kind of businesses that are, you know, within inside. And there's, of course, a greater risk of COVID-19 infection when you are inside. They're trying to be encouraged to go outside. And a lot of businesses in Melbourne aren't so enthusiastic about doing that because, as we know, Melbourne, it's four seasons in one day. It's not the greatest weather. <laughs> so uh, that's a challenge, definitely, for businesses uh, in Melbourne. But for Sydney, I think they're very, very happy, especially as we get closer to the start of summer on December the 1st. Yeah, it looks like Australia is healing, although it's taken quite a bit of time from what we saw much earlier where they were basically the gold standard, but things played out in a different manner. But now slowly everything's getting back to normal. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist all the way in Brisbane. On the topic of climate, Jason, Scott Morrison's also been in the news. Bit of dilemma with a split in the Liberal National Party. What more can you tell us about this? Yes, well, to start, I mean, Prime Minister Scott Morrison did confirm he will attend the United Nations COP26 International Climate Conference in Glasgow in November. And, then, you know, we weren't sure whether he was going. He announced that he'll go. And now there's this commitment to net zero emission by 2050. And the government of Scott Morrison, which holds the power at the moment, is called the Liberal National Party. And Scott Morrison is from the Liberal Party. But the National Party is where all the, the folks who live in rural Australia or country Australia, and they have a different kind of a, approach when it comes to climate change. And they, they obviously think about the farmers and the people making coal and people working in industry. And they, they're not on board yet. With 
with this uh, net zero by 2050. And remember, it's the Liberal National Party. It's a party of really a coalition of two different parties. And it's a bit of a saga because the you know, National Party has been meeting over the last few days and they can't come to the agreement that the Liberal Party has. And of course, Labor Party has that, that the net zero emission by 2050 should be a, a commitment by Australia. So it's a bit embarrassing for Australia because we don't have a great record on climate change. We're behind uh, the UK and the US. Boris Johnson and Joe Biden will both be there in, in Glasgow. And even Prince Charles has ended the debate recently. So uh, this is a big story across Australia, especially across rural Australia, about net zero by 2050. The argument that they have here is that we're only a small country and, you know, compared to China, we're hardly you know, emitting very much at all. Uh, so should we sacrifice jobs in rural Australia because we're, we're such a small part of the of the emitters of the world when it comes to pollution? So that's the big dilemma here. And, uh, and there's they're a long way from deciding the Liberal National Party as uh, Scott Morrison prepares to go to that uh, big conference in Glasgow in November. Yeah, certainly one worth keeping your eyes on that conference there. A lot of takeaways from that meeting expected and uh, it'll just be interesting in general. Let's also talk about the weather in Queensland, where you are, of course, it's been rather wild, to say the least. Giant hailstones, tornadoes. How are you? Are you okay? I'm fine. You know, I'm here in Brisbane and we have had a few storms here. Um, and you know, I always love getting rain because Australia mm. is such an arid country compared to, to Singapore. Uh, luckily, in southeast Queensland, it's pretty lush. It rains a lot. But near um, Toowoomba, there were giant hailstones falling like the size of tennis balls. And if you go online, you'll be able to see that. And it looks like snow. You know, you see lawns covered in white. And remember, we're in October now, not far away from November. We're in the middle of spring. And yet near Toowoomba, which is a couple of hours drive from here, you're seeing, uh, and also Gladstone, which is also a bit further drive away, you're seeing hailstones filling up gardens and making it look like a white Christmas kind of feel. That's the kind of thing that we see here in Queensland with the storms. And the storms will tend to be stronger as we get closer to the warmer uh, months of the year. Uh, pretty scary scenes, you know, just uh, around 45 minutes from here, I think it was around a year ago, there were tennis ball size hailstones that went through roofs and put massive holes in roofs can you imagine that you wake up and there is there are holes in the roofs because uh, hailstones have fallen the size of tennis or cricket balls so that's the kind of uh, life that a lot of people have to deal with uh, at this time of the year in Queensland just hope that everything goes well for you Jason and you don't get affected by this wild weather and just before we uh, finish this chat uh, the wiggles have been in the news you know quite Quite a change within the group. A 15-year-old is taking over Emma Watkins, who was the first female Wiggle, the Yellow Wiggle. Why has this happened and what can we expect from the group now? Well, the Wiggles, as many Singaporeans will know, are a band of uh, performers that kids love, a bit like High Five, and they've been around since 1991. And they've gone through different um, changes over the years, and it started out as an all-male group. And in, uh, in more recent times, uh, we've seen um, you know female members join. And Emma Watkins has been the Yellow Wiggle, a woman, since 2013. And uh, she kind of had time during the COVID-19 pandemic to reflect on life. And she's in her 30s now, and she kind of reflected that 
maybe she doesn't want to be on the road performing and she announced on social media that she'll be leaving the band uh you know so this is quite a big big news and the wiggles continue to have a global following she's going to be replaced by a 15 year old uh, c hay hawkins uh, she's a new performer. She'll be replaced as the uh, Yellow Wiggle. And uh, I think she's been in the band, you know, for a year or so. But that, I think to get promoted to a colour is a bit of a, a big deal within within this band. So uh, when you have kids like I have uh, my daughter, you learn a lot about things. <laughs> you learn a lot about, you know, cartoons and Disney movies and, you know, whether it's High Five or The Wiggles or, you know, even artists like Taylor Swift, uh, you know, who I would never follow, or even uh, Ed Sheeran, who I don't, wouldn't really follow. You know, your kids bring you into a world that's very, very different. And that's why I'm talking to you about the Wiggles, which are, are an Australian phenomenon since 1991, and they're still going strong. But we've got to say goodbye to Emma Watkins. She's uh, leaving the, the group. Yeah, an emotional time for her. But we'll be, you know, exciting to see what happens with the group. I understand uh, her replacement was actually born in Ethiopia and adopted by an Australian family. Keep in mind, she's only 15 and is in year 10. So um, an exciting time for her, a new opportunity. And, uh, you know, change is always good. We'll take time to probably get used to it, but I'm sure she will come out fighting. We've been in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, all the way in Brisbane, Australia, providing us with the latest headlines from down under. As always, Jason, a pleasure speaking with you. Stay safe. Um, look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you very much, Adrian. It's always a pleasure talking to you and to let all the listeners know I've just been out of my bike and I've done a little uh, bike ride because now with my new house i'm living right on the bike trail you might even be able to hear in the background the train going by uh, it's kind of soothing to hear the train going by it's just lovely spring weather here is so nice to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app that's a-w-e-d-i-o available on google play or the app store